This podcast is informed by lived experience and professional practice, but it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. If this episode prompts you to seek further help, and if you live in Victoria, please contact us via our hub service. Details are in our show notes. If you're listening outside of Victoria, please get in touch with the Butterfly Foundation. Hi there, and welcome to Candid Conversations, a podcast by Eating Disorders Victoria. My name's Bree, and I am so happy to be back in your ears to bring you the knowledge and the lived experience of the team here at EDV. I know that we have been a little bit quiet on the podcast for the last few months, but I'm happy to say that we are back and we will be bringing you a new episode on the first Monday of every month this year. Today, I'm starting with a conversation with Rosie, a telehealth counsellor here at EDV. We're talking about two different things, starting with the pandemic and the current surge in COVID cases and how that's impacting people with eating disorders. In Rosie's role as a telehealth counsellor, she's talking to the community every day about what you're going through. So she's sharing with us some of her top tips for coping mechanisms and things to help get you through this really stressful time. Then we change track a little bit and we talk about the practice of intention setting. So Rosie is a bit of an expert in this space and intention setting is a really wonderful practice that you can do at any point, but it's really relevant for the start of the year where you're wanting to get your recovery off to a good start. So she'll take you through that process of connecting with your core values and then how you go about setting intentions for your recovery. I hope you enjoy our chat. Thank you, Rosie, for joining us on the podcast today. I can't believe we actually haven't had you on before because, you know, many people at EDV will be familiar with your work. You present a lot of our community webinars, you host group workshops, and you also speak to our community as a counsellor. So can you tell those who might not be familiar with what you do at EDV a bit about your role and also all the great things you do outside of EDV? Thanks so much, Bree. It's really great to be here today and hello to the whole ADB community as well. Yes, so I wear a few different hats. At ADV, I'm currently a telehealth counsellor, but I originally joined the team as a peer mentor, so I was able to use my lived experience in that role and uh, walk alongside someone who's going in recovery. That was a really uh, meaningful role for me. And after that, I transitioned into the education team to work on more group programs and education workshops as well. So I've been around EDV for quite a long time now. And outside of EDV, I am a yoga teacher. And I also run my own small business called I Live in Balance, where I create workshops and programs about mental health, which incorporate embodied practices like yoga and meditation. Fantastic, Rosie. And we are so lucky to benefit from all those skills that you bring to EDV. And we also know that you're about to start your master's in psychology as well. So you're going to be even more busy, but hopefully you'll still uh, be around here at EDV and contributing to our community in all the wonderful ways that you do. So I wanted to start today by talking about sort of the biggest thing that's probably affecting most people and their recovery at the moment. And that is, of course, covid So it's been a pretty rough summer for most Mm. people and for particularly those uh, who are impacted by eating disorders. In your role as a telehealth counsellor, you are speaking to people all the time who are going through these challenges. I'm wondering if you can share with the community what is coming through from people on the phone who are currently 
going through recovery and also dealing with the stress of the pandemic? Absolutely. I mean, it's been a long time. We've been going through this for an extended period of time and and we know that stress contributes to eating disorders. So for people going through lockdown and COVID-19, everything that's been happening, we've definitely seen a few different trends on the telehealth team. And I can only speak for myself here, but I've definitely seen that people have had a lot more time to be with their eating disorder. So maybe a lot more time to engage in those behaviors that they, they may not do if they were connected to more people or had more access to their social network or to the different parts of themselves that they like to explore. It makes a lot of sense that people have been turning to their eating disorder behaviors to cope through the past couple of years. And when we are really stressed and overwhelmed, it makes sense that we do the best that we can to cope with the resources that we've got. So for people with eating disorders that may be engaging in behaviors like restriction or compensation in binge eating to cope with the situation that they're in. But we know that these behaviors aren't sustainable. They make the situation worse. They have an incredible impact on people's uh, physical health, their mental health, their social well-being. You know, all parts of an individual is a huge impact. And I'm seeing a lot of people who are just exhausted they're over it part of them wants to recover part of them sees their life as different but they may not feel quite ready to step into that recovery space I'm seeing a lot of people who are curious of what could my life look like without an eating disorder and what might I have more space for it's definitely something that I do ask uh, my clients is what could life look like for you on the other side And for some people, that's a really overwhelming question. It's a big question. But for other people, they have a bit of a sense of what their life might look like. Maybe that's having more space to to learn or to do something that interests them, having more energy to be with their friends and their family, or simply being able to have a healthy relationship with food and their body. Whatever it is, I think that, this time has really prompted people to to think, you know, what could life look like on the other side, going through this stress and maybe having an exacerbated experience of an eating disorder. So Rosie, in this time of heightened stress, where people are just doing what they can do to get through, what are the kind of coping mechanisms that you're suggesting people can engage with? Yeah, and as you said, it's it's what people can actually do during this time. Some people are in isolation. Some people are limiting their movement around. You know, we, we do want to keep things simple and actually think about what's accessible to us right now, what is available to each person. So I think coping strategies are unique to each individual. So there's not any specific strategy that I would recommend, but there's a whole array that I might talk about with different clients. To give a few different examples here, some coping strategies include journaling, doing a meditation, calling a friend or a helpline, reading a novel or watching a movie, playing a game, going for a walk, moving your body or exploring conscious breathing. It could be spending time in nature, learning a new skill or starting to approach your thoughts and build that in a, in a dialogue that's supportive. Coping strategies are really broad and it 
is unique to everyone to explore and figure out what actually works for me. What do I enjoy doing? What actually helps me in the moment? Something I also like to speak about with clients is that we can use coping strategies to help us when we're in that peak distress. If we're feeling, okay, everything feels overwhelming right now. I'm feeling the urge to turn to uh, an eating disorder behavior of some sorts, whatever that may be. So in that moment, we can step in and go, okay, what are my options? What is available to me right now? And if you are at home alone, okay, my breath is available to me. My phone is available to me. I can give someone a call. I can put on a TV show and I can sit here and I can focus all of my attention on that TV show. What is actually available to you? What will you actually enjoy to help you bring down those distress levels? See if you can delay stepping in and engaging with one of those behaviors. On the flip side, it's how can we practice coping strategies when we're feeling well? And this can be to help us prevent going downhill and needing to rely on eating disorder behaviors, but it can also be to strengthen those coping strategies so that when we do turn to them, they are stronger and they work more for us. It could be regularly journaling, having a rhythm of that throughout the week or attending a regular support group or yoga class where that's part of your routine and you're strengthening that ability to to reach out for support or to know what you need in the moment. And of course, EDB have online support groups and we've got a range of those, but what else, Rosie, does EDB offer that could potentially support people during times of wellness, but also times where they really need some extra support? The online support groups are fantastic. I highly recommend going along to them and we have quite a few different ones. So if you go onto the website, you can see uh, which one might be best for you. And there might be a few, so feel free to go along and try it out and see, see if it clicks with you. But we do have so many other uh, offerings at EDV. It's actually quite amazing and I know we're continuing to grow and grow here. If you are someone that's interested in dipping your toes into recovery and what that might look like for you, I would really recommend going onto the e-learning platform because we have free webinars that have been recorded where we're offering things like coping strategies and you know how to create routine or engage with self-compassion, learning more about what eating disorders are. That's a really great place to start. We also have a full telehealth team, including counsellors, nurses, and care coaches who you can access one-on-one support. And in those programs, you can actually work with someone for more than one session. So you can build a bit of a relationship with them and get help around your long-term plan, how you can approach recovery for yourself. We also have our peer mentoring program where someone in recovery can be connected to someone who has recovered from an eating disorder, where they'll experience six months together, meeting every two weeks to explore things like self-care and what recovery might look like for them. And for anyone who is, you know, brand new to our services or not quite sure where to start, I would also recommend just getting in touch with the awesome team who uh, run the EDV Hub. So that is an online and phone service that provides free and confidential information and support and can also navigate you to appropriate services within EDV and also externally. Okay, Rosie, we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about something that is very relevant for this time of year. So we're talking about 
intention setting. And this is something that you've recently done a webinar on for our community. But if you weren't able to catch that webinar, this is now your opportunity to listen and learn about this awesome practice and Rosie will guide you through it. So I personally find the whole new year, new me energy a bit overwhelming normally. And the whole idea around, you know, needing to make new year's resolutions, it kind of just makes you feel like you're reflecting on the year before and thinking about all the things you did badly. And then what am I going to do next year that is mm. going to improve all that? And it, you're kind of in this perpetual cycle of must do better, must be better. And it's pretty exhausting, right? But Rosie, you're here today to help us feel a little bit more positive about the new year and not overwhelmed with the idea of new year goals or resolutions per se. And that is through the process of intention setting, which is I believe, distinctly different from goal setting. So can you tell us a little bit more? Yes. So we have been through so much over the past two years. Let's take the pressure off as we enter into the new year. I think value-based intention setting is a way that we can do that. It is different to goal setting where there's this clear focus on achieving something or reaching a certain destination. Whereas in intention setting, there's no set destination. There's no pressure to achieve. It's about cultivating something in our lives that is important to us. We can choose an intention based on where we're at in our lives, what we're going through, and on what our core values are. And I'll be guiding us through the process of intention setting, but just to give a little overview, when we foster an intention, we can do that moment by moment, day by day, knowing that we're already enough exactly as we are. An intention can act as this gentle reminder of who we are as a human being and what we would like to cultivate in our lives. So it's really supportive. There is no pressure. It's like a gentle, kind voice in our head saying, this is who you are and this is what you're focusing on. I love that, Rosie, because saying, you know, you are enough already is so affirming compared to normally setting goals and resolutions that tell us we're not enough as we currently mm. are. So yeah, I really love this process. And what you've mentioned as well about core values, I think is really interesting. If you haven't done a core values exercise before, this is your chance to really delve into this stuff. It's It can be a bit of a process. I know for me, it's taken a while to really understand what my core values are. And when you you start going into it and you see, you know, hundreds and hundreds of potential values having mm -hmm. to whittle that down to, you know, maybe three or five that really resonate with you is, is quite tricky, but it's a really important part of this process. So Rosie, can you give us maybe some recommendations for those who haven't figured out their core values yet? How would you approach it? Mm, sure. Yeah, I do recommend taking your time. And it's a really big question of what are your core values? Because really we're asking, who are you? And that's a big question for anyone. But for someone in recovery, that can be a source of a lot of struggle and a lot of confusion, a lot of pain. Because eating disorders steal so much time, thought and energy that it can be difficult to understand who they are and overwhelming to think about the future and what's next and starting to uncover that identity. There are heaps of lists online if you want to look up core values and just see oh, what, what stands out to me, what feels most important to me. I'd recommend sitting down with a journal and just looking through a list and writing down some of the values that stand out to you, maybe five to 10. 
and considering which ones feel most important. There's no right or wrong answer. So I'd encourage anyone to approach it with curiosity rather than judgment. You don't have to do core values perfectly and it's okay for them to change. We are always evolving. We are always changing throughout our lives and our core values do rise and fall in importance. So know that your your list, your core values don't have to be perfect. It's more of an exploration of what are you drawn to? What stands out to you? Love that. Okay, so say we've taken the time to figure out our core values, we've done that exercise, then we can go about setting our intentions, as you've said. So as this is an eating disorder recovery podcast, we're going to be talking about intentions in the sense of recovery. But of course, this can be applied to any aspect of your life and, you know, can be used by carers who are potentially listening as well. So Rosie, how do you recommend listeners start the process of formulating an intention? Firstly, I'd recommend setting up a date for yourself or maybe a date with a loved one, a friend, where you can practice intention setting. And the reason for this is that we want to create space for ourselves where we feel grounded and supported to take this time to listen to ourselves and to move towards an intention that will be meaningful for us. Generally, we're able to reflect more deeply when we're in a relaxed state. So if you'd like to do a meditation as part of your practice, I'd encourage that. Insight Timer has beautiful free meditations, highly recommend them. But if there's something else you'd like to do, like going for a mindful walk and finding a comfortable space to sit and journal, then that could be a great option too. Whatever will help you invite yourself into this practice. Before looking at your core values or setting an intention, it's actually helpful to think more broadly about what you've been going through and what's been coming up for you. A few journaling prompts that I like to use are, what's been happening for you over the past few months? You'll probably be quite surprised by how much you've forgotten. You might have a moment of, oh yeah, wow, I got through all of that. Or actually a lot more has changed than I remember. You could also ask yourself, what have you been enjoying? Write those down, remember those moments. And then what challenges have been coming up for you? What are you proud of? What self-care practices have you been exploring? Any of these questions that give you a sense of the bigger picture of how your life has been. We want to highlight the highs and the lows and everything in, the, in between. So we've got this bigger picture of ourselves. Writing about these things, getting them down onto paper, it can help us both acknowledge ourselves and where we're at in our lives but it can also help us move towards what intention will be most helpful for us moving forward. And once you feel like you've had that generous space to journal, to write down anything that you'd like to get out of your mind and onto a page, that's a time where we want to come to look at our core values. As you look at your core values, can you draw out what feels most important to me from what I've journaled about today? For someone in recovery, that might be courage, hope, resilience, it could be self-compassion, listening or self-care. Maybe it's learning, perseverance, being a receiver. Highlight which ones feel most important to you and try to link these to what you've journaled. Once you've journaled and once you've taken that time to draw out your core values, it's time to choose an intention. An intention can be one word or one statement, something that really resonates with you. It should be clear and catchy so that when you say it to yourself, it hits that spot of, yes, that is what 
I am cultivating right now. A few examples of an intention could be trusting the process, self-kindness, listening to your body, receiving support, or taking one step at a time. Thank you, Rosie. That was super clear. And I can completely attest to how important it is to actually set aside the time to do this and to really take the time to do that journaling practice before you get into starting the intentions. I remember you did this for us maybe last year at the office, Rosie. Mm. And I remember sitting down when you asked us to write down, you know, what's been happening for you. And immediately my mind was blank. I could not think of anything <laughs> I'd done in the last three months because I'm just someone who's always moving forward, like thinking forward, thinking forward, rather than reflecting backwards. And it was so valuable for me to actually quiet my mind and really reflect on what had been happening for me in the past Mm. few months. And it really does provide you with clarity about how you're feeling and how you want to feel and what you could potentially do in the future or what intentions might be useful for you. So from someone who is not usually uh, prone to reflective exercises, I can absolutely Mm. say taking the time to do it is worth it and it really does make you feel more grounded and more positive for what lies ahead. Okay. So Rosie, we have our intention. Now, what do you do with it? So are you just writing it down and, you know, putting it in a journal or is it one of those things where, you know, you stick a post-it up on your bathroom mirror? How do you recommend people really cultivate that intention moving forward? Yeah. So there are a few things that we can do to help us cultivate our intention because as you might know or feel if you're listening, sometimes we do these practices and they're in that journal and they stay there and we don't look at it again. We totally forget about what it was. Know that that's okay. That's happened to you. But here are a few ideas if you'd like help cultivating your intention. I think that visual cues are great. If you can write down your intention somewhere, you can see it on a regular basis. That can be helpful to remind you of what you are trying to cultivate this year. Another thing you can do is talk to someone that you care about, about your intention. Now, that could be a friend, a family member, maybe someone on your support team, so that you're telling them why you chose it and how you might cultivate it this year. Maybe that conversation of, "Mm, these are a few things that I'd like to do to move towards this intention this year. They could be a support to help check in with you. How's your intention going? How's your intention felt this year? Reflecting on your intention regularly is also something you can do. You can put aside time to have that date with yourself, to journal, to write about how it's going and how you might like to continue to cultivate it. You can also reflect on it regularly by having a conversation with yourself. I like to check in in the morning and just ask myself, okay, what's one thing that you can do to cultivate your intention today? Or how am I feeling today? And what do I need today that could honor my intention? Keeping it simple, affirming, and easy to remember is key. For me, when I was in recovery, two core values that I spent a year with each were health and self-compassion. When I was cultivating health, that would be checking in each week and asking what's one thing I can do this week to cultivate health? And that really helps me engage with the fundamentals of recovery, like regular eating and self-care and accepting support. When I was exploring self-compassion for a year, that was when I was re-engaging with movement and starting to build a kind of inner voice. So I'd keep that in mind when I was 
in a yoga class or connecting with friends, just gently reminding myself, how can I be kind to myself in this moment? My top tip for whatever intention you choose is to be kind to yourself. You do not have to perfect your intention. An intention is there to support you in your journey, wherever you are at and wherever you're going. An intention won't judge you. There is no pressure to achieve. Your intention is there to support you exactly as you are. Well, thank you, Rosie. I could listen to you all day. I hope our listeners have got something really valuable out of this intention setting practice and hopefully you can go away and implement it in your own life. Let us know how you go. Thanks so much for having me, Brie. And thank you so much to everyone who's tuned in and listened. Hope that we can connect with you soon. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Boon Wurrung and Woi Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging.